Well, if you have your Bible, Psalm 63 is where we'll be in just a minute. I'm going to read a few other passages first, but we'll be in Psalm 63 in a few moments. Tonight we come to the completion of the study that we began a few weeks ago on what it means to love God. We hear this command from God in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear, fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That was Deuteronomy 10. Back a few chapters, we also hear this in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7, which I read last week. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. We also hear Jesus repeating this command in Mark's gospel, chapter 12 and verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The parallel to that passage we looked at in our first study a few weeks ago in Matthew 22 and verse 37 when Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And what we're hearing in these passages teaches us, even challenges us, and commands us that we are to love God. How? The idea being expressed in those passages that I read is that we are to love God with our whole life, our whole being, not just our bodies, but with our minds and with our vocation and with our families and in God's church and in our neighborhoods and with our speech, our conduct, with every area of our life, we are to love God. So what is it to love God with your whole life? And that's what we've been addressing from Psalm 63. How does loving God begin and how does loving God carry on? How do we carry on loving God with our whole lives in every area of our life we've been asking that question in this series of psalm 63 are you there with me for answers to that question about how we're to love god we've been looking at these first eight verses in psalm 63 follow along as i read them again and are reading from english standard version psalm 63 verse 1 oh god you are my god earnestly i seek you my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. 
So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So again, the question, what is it to love God? And what is it to love God with your whole life, with everything that you are, with everything that you have? We started with verses 1 and 2 a few weeks ago and said that loving God means you thirst and long for God. You thirst and long for God if you love God. In verse 1, David says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly. That's, that's whole life seeking for God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And so I've challenged you and I challenge you again. Do you hunger for God? Do you hunger to be in His presence through His Word? Do you hunger to be close to God in His Word and talking to Him in prayer about every area of your life? Do you hunger and thirst to know more of God from His Word, to understand Him more fully, as much as God would permit you, as much as God's Word reveals to you? And do you long to please Him, not to earn His approval? You already have it, but do you long to glorify Him and please Him with the way that you live? Thirst and long for God. Loving God also means you behold God. In David's words, verse 2, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. And that points to God's holiness. This points to the holiness of God. God is completely holy, completely righteous, and because He is, He is glorious. He is like none other. How do you look upon God in the sanctuary and how do you behold the power and glory of God? It begins, I take you back to His Word. It begins in His Word. Are you in the Word of God? It begins in His Word. Behold God. If you want to behold God, you're going to want to get into His Word. You're going to want His Word in you. Get to know God as He is, as He reveals Himself and makes Himself known to you through the pages of your Bible. Again, speak to God in prayer also. Talk to God about all kinds of things that, that you face in life. Go, go to God in prayer throughout your day. Also, gather with God's people. You want to behold God? You cannot neglect being with God's people and behold God. These are the ways you practice and are trained by God's Spirit and by God's Word and, and through the fellowship of God's people and through, through the communion you have with God in prayer to behold 
God, who He is, how He works, and learn to love God with your whole life. So loving God means you thirst and long for God. It means you behold God. And then last week as we continued, as we noted that to love God with your whole life, as we're learning from David here in Psalm 63, you need to be praising God. Are you praising God? That's seen in verse 3. David praised God as he learned and as he grew in his understanding of who God is. Verse 3, look at it again. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. David praised God because he realized that God's constant and unbreakable love for him, God's mercy, God's favor was better than any life he could possibly live. So I challenge you again, as I've challenged you before, are you praising God? Are you lifting up praise to God? Does praise pour from your lips? Does it naturally flow from your mouth and from your heart toward God for who He is, how He works, and what He has done, and what He is doing, and what He promises to do for you? All that is yours in Christ. So praising God, that's what it looks like to love God with your whole life. Praise should pour from your life. And then we noted last time that also we learned to love God with every area of our life when we were found blessing God. Blessing God. How do you bless God? David says, is in verse 4, look at verse 4 again, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. The word for bless here can also mean to kneel, kneeling before God. And David also speaks of lifting up his hands here. And I want you to understand this, that what's important here is not that you act, that you act outwardly. It's not important that you act outwardly by kneeling or lifting your hands. Those things are fine to do as you worship God with your life and praise Him and this is blessing God. It's, it's actually worship of God. Do you worship Him with your life? It's not the, the outward expressions aren't what's important. It's, it's what's in the heart that's important. Those things that are in the heart may show themselves outwardly. You may kneel and you may raise your hands in praise of God. That's fine. What's important is what caused David to say he would bless God as long as he lived. What caused David to say this was the attitude of his heart. God. It was his submissive, worshipful, joyful attitude toward God. His attitude was one of awe and wonder, which led to worship. And so I challenge you again are you blessing God? Are you giving God your worship? And you can only do that in reverence and humility. Are you seeking to do that in every area of your life? Are you thinking about the areas of your life that, that maybe don't honor God and, and bringing those into submission to God? So that was one, two, three, and four. We come to number five now, which is seen in verse five. How do you love God with your whole life? I would ask it, uh, maybe ask a question when 
when presenting this idea, are you finding satisfaction in God? How do you love God with your whole life? Are you finding satisfaction in God? Look at verse 5 again. And think about this in contrast to verse 1, the first verse where we see David's longing and thirsting. In verse 5 we find this, My soul will be satisfied. My soul will be satisfied. In verse 1 he says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Are you finding satisfaction in God? Or are you singing, I can't get no satisfaction? (laughs) You, you need to pursue the truth of God's Word, learning who God is, applying that truth to your life in all the ways that God gives you to commune with Him through His Word, through prayer. And I believe there is great joy to be found in worshiping with God's people along your brother, alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you learn to follow God's ways and when you begin to recognize God's glorious nature and God's goodness toward you, I believe you'll begin to find what it is to know sweet satisfaction with the Lord. The world that we live in does not want you to be content and satisfied. It's constantly marketing to you, selling to you, trying to poke you where uh, where you where you didn't realize you had problems, trying to show you where your problems are that you didn't realize you had, so that you won't be content, so that you'll go out and buy the next thing that they're trying to sell you. And guess what? It's not it's not wrong to have a need to go out and, and purchase something that you think you need to meet a need. But what what's happened also is that Satan is not resting. He is also trying to help you be dissatisfied with what the Lord offers you. When you read the Word and you find God's Word instructing you and teaching you and even correcting your thinking, Satan comes along and says, you don't need that. That's old-fashioned. That's an old book. You don't need that. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really have your best interest at heart. That's not true. And so you look at that contrast as David points to it. David's longing and thirsting in verse five, uh, first verse one. In contrast to verse five, my soul will be satisfied. How, as with fat and rich food, and my mouth what will show of my satisfaction? I will praise you with joyful lips. You'll find contentment in the Lord when you seek to walk in the ways of God's word seeking to please Him and glorify Him with the way that you live, you'll find that the things of this world are going to grow far less important and the things of of the world of God is going to be more important to you. Things of this world will mean less and less in your time with the Lord, time in His Word, time in prayer, time with God's people, worshiping Him together. Those things will begin to grow in importance for you. 
if you're learning to love God with your whole life. You won't have to say, I need to try to figure out how to make time to read the Bible. I need to figure out how to, how to get to church or how to find more time to pray or, or make a time to pray. You won't, you won't need to use that kind of language with yourself. You'll be hungering and thirsting for those things. And you'll be proclaiming with David, my soul will be satisfied. Satisfied with the Lord. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where there was a huge buffet uh, loaded with all kinds of delicious food? I remember going to, you ever hear of a Duffy's? Duffy's? I don't remember where it was. I'm trying to think where it was. When I was a kid, I think we went once or maybe in Troy, Ohio, near, near Dayton. Um, and you went in there and the food moves. Am I thinking of the right one? It's like on a, the food's on a conveyor belt. It comes out of the wall and it goes past you and it keeps going. And you've got to be quick to get the... You're like looking at the food. You're like, I want some of that. You've got to quick get... And then there would be people who were walking along. Like, you can't do that. You got, you're like, I'm here. Get, I'm getting, you know... I think it was a few years later we went in and they had put up little partitions to keep people from walking with the food. It's like, well, that's a dirty trick. I think we went to a China buffet once. Not, not, the food wasn't moving. It was really good. You, you go to a buffet and you get that food and you say, that looks good. I'm taking some of that. And you take it and you go back to your seat. And you ever have this disheartening experience? You, it, the food is nowhere near, it doesn't taste anywhere near as good as it looks. And you're like, oh, well, there's a buffet. Let's try again. And you go back. Strike two. And you go back. Strike three. And you get done and you're full. You're like really full. Now, speaking for myself, I'm really full. And I'm not satisfied because the food is not as good as it looks. The picture David gives us is that God is fully satisfying. God is completely satisfying. David knows from experience, if you want true satisfaction... In this life, it's found in God alone and pursuing the things that God calls important, the things that God calls out in his word for you. If you love God with all your heart and soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you're going to experience satisfaction, as David says it, that nothing in this world can match. And there is nothing in this world that can match the contentment and the joy and the satisfaction that God offers his children when when they walk with him and they seek to love him with their whole life. My soul will be satisfied, says David in verse 5. Pastor and author John Piper has a saying that if you've ever listened to, uh, if you've listened to very many of his sermons or read any of his books, you'll eventually come across this little saying of his. He says, God is most glorified in you, when you are most satisfied in him. You hear that? God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. Are you satisfied in God? If you are, you're going to bring him glory. You're going to magnify his name in this world in which you live, and you're going to know satisfaction, contentment, peace, joy. It doesn't mean that you're going to be spared difficulties, but you'll know how to how to deal with the difficulties with your eyes on the Lord, with your eyes on his word, 
talking to him in prayer, asking for his wisdom and help. When your soul is satisfied in God like, like David's was here in Psalm 63, then you're going to bring God the most glory and you will be growing in your love for God. And you'll declare with David, my soul will be satisfied. And look at what being satisfied in God brings. David says in the rest of verse 5, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. There's that praise again. There's that praise, that worship of God. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. If your soul is satisfied with God, you will know true joy and you won't be able to stop yourself from speaking of God's goodness. But if you're, if you're distracted by the things of this world and constantly pursuing the pursuit of more in this world for the sake of being more content, which is a rat race, and being more happy, uh, maybe you would call it being more joyful by pursuing the things of this earth and the things of this life. You're gonna you're gonna have an empty uh, you're gonna have an empty feeling in you. You're gonna have a, a poor taste in your mouth, like going to that buffet and going back and going back and not being satisfied because it's not as good as it looks. It's not as satisfying as it looks. The things of this world, but God's God's ways are satisfying. And so David says, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. That should be true of each of us if we're satisfied, if we're being satisfied by the Lord and we're finding our satisfaction in God. Next we see this in verse 6, which shows us another aspect of loving God with your whole life. It's remembering God. Remembering God. What does that mean? Remembering God. Verse 6 when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. If you love God and you love him with every area of your life, you're going to do like David did. You're going to remember God wherever you are. You're going to take his word with you. It'll be in your heart, in your mind. If you're hiding God's word in your heart, if you're getting God's word into you, then you're going to take that wherever you are. And if you're learning to love God with your whole life, you're going to remember God. You're going to think of the things of God. You're going to think God-honoring thoughts, heavenly thoughts, wherever you are. On your bed at night, as you're ready to go to sleep, you'll meditate on God. You'll think of the things of the Lord. Maybe you need to remind yourself of the things of the Lord. That's fine. But go with David and say, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Remember God. Think of the things of the Lord. Remind yourself of the truths of the Scriptures. We're going through a little book on Wednesday nights, the gospel, a gospel primer where the author is reminding us of, I think Jerry Bridges said it, I don't even know if he said it first, but where he reminds us to, to preach the gospel to ourselves. Remember God. Re preach the truth of the Scriptures to yourself. Remind yourself of the truths of God's Word. And if you love God with every area of your life, you're going to do like David did and remember God wherever you are. 
Matthew Henry says this, and he says it well, thoughts of God must not be transient thoughts, passing through the mind, but abiding thoughts, dwelling in the mind. You know, we could think of a lot of things to dwell on, and a lot of them aren't good things to dwell on, but there's, there's always a place for dwelling on the things of the Lord, taking time to think carefully over the, tr- the truths of God's Word, How important that we be people who do that, as Matthew Henry says, dwelling in the mind, abiding thoughts, not those thoughts that are transient or passing. Thoughts of God, we ought to dwell on them, remembering God. Loving God in every area of your life means you're going to be thinking of of God and thinking of the things that, that He has taught you in His Word. And what you think of God will honor Him and it will encourage you. You see, thinking of God is good for us. It helps shape our thinking. It helps shape our reaction to the problems that we face every day. Remember God. It will be good for you that throughout the day you're thinking of God, thinking of His greatness, thinking of His goodness. Uh, this is really something that's powerful that will lead to your joy. You don't have joy this side of eternity. This is how. Think on the things of the Lord. Remember God. Dwell on the things of the Lord. When your heart is constantly fixed on the things that honor the Lord, the things that He is teaching you from His Word, and I encourage you to think this way as you read the Scriptures. Uh, maybe you do that in the morning. When you read the Scriptures, look for, a, look for a, a truth to take with you. Maybe even write it down on a card or, um, or on a, note, a notepad. T- take it with you. Take that truth with you and think about that truth throughout the day. Note how David did this, and this brings us to number seven, as he remembered God. Here's number seven. How do we love God? As David remembered God, he was recognizing his care. He was recognizing his care. This is also what it means to love God. Look at verse seven. When David remembered God in the nighttime hours, he couldn't help but praise God for his constant care. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. If you look at the end of verse 8, he says, Your right hand upholds me. You've got the picture of God's shadowing wings, and you've got the picture of God's right hand upholding you. David knew that it was God who was watching over him. David knew what it was to go through turmoil and difficulty even being pursued, those trying to take his life. And he knew what it was to have God watching over him, not only in those times, but in those times that were less life-threatening. He knew God was caring for him. It was God who helped him each day. David knew that he was constantly sheltered in the shadows of the wings of God. Of course, this is a figure of speech God doesn't have or need wings necessarily, doesn't have hands or need hands necessarily, pictures and figures of speech for us to picture, to to be able to, to understand how God cares for us, how He provides for us. So do you recognize how God cares for you each day, every day? If you don't give Him the credit for all that He does for you, you're probably going to be guilty of taking the credit for yourself. And that's 
And that's not a way to find contentment and joy in the Lord. That's a way to find discontentment. So give the Lord the credit. Don't fail to love God with every area of your life. Because if you love God as you should, you're going to realize how dependent you are on Him. And you may, as you get closer to the Lord, find how much more dependent you are on Him than you thought you were last year at this time or last week at this time. If you're to love God completely, you've got to fully understand how His loving hand is guiding you, guiding your steps, even though you don't see Him doing it. God is at work. When you see and finally recognize that God is doing something, realize that there's probably a thousand other things that you're not seeing, that He is doing. He is at work. Take heart in that. Take heart in the mighty covering of God's grace sheltering sheltering you uh, throughout each and every day. Now here's the last one. If you want to know what it is to love God with your whole life, you want to do this, and this closely follows what we just saw because you recognize God's care for you and you give God all the glory for what he has done for you and is doing, you're going to want to do this. You're going to want to follow God closely. You're going to want to follow God closely. When you recognize his care for you, you're going to want to stay close. (laughs) You're going to want to follow God closely. What is it to love God with your whole life? It's to follow God. Follow his ways. Follow his teaching Follow God closely. Look at verse 8 again. My soul clings to you. That's close. (laughs) My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. That's close. When you recognize and acknowledge and then praise and worship God for his constant care for you, the overflow of that should be that you continue to follow the Lord closely. I hope this is your prayer that you would ask God to help you to be faithful to Him, that you would ask God to help you to stay close to Him and not stray from Him. If that's true, I bring you back to this thought again. You will be in His Word. You need the Word to be close to God. You need to speak to Him in prayer to be close to the Lord, to stay close to the Lord. You need to be communicating Him with, in prayer with that, that privilege of prayer that He's given you. The discipline of prayer. You're going to, again, I don't think we understand sometimes how important this is, but we need to be with God's people, worshiping with God's people together alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ, serving the Lord alongside them, learning how to be unified in the church with God's people. So you'll, you'll get the word into you. And you'll do it not simply for head knowledge. You know, there's two, two ways to read the Bible. One way is just because I'm trying to get through this Bible reading plan this year for some head knowledge, to know more about God. But, but are you reading the other way? Is Are you reading so that you'll know God and be fully pleasing to Him with the way that you think and, and live so that your decisions will honor Him, so that those challenges you face and those challenging situations and relationships that you face will be helped along with the wisdom of God's Word so that your life brings God glory. 
You'll get the word into you so that you can be the person God wants you to be. So you can live the life he is calling you to live with his wisdom, changing you and guiding you, and ultimately living your life to glorify him. You know, uh, this also means that you believe his word. You've got to believe his word. You've got to realize that his word supersedes all other wisdom in this world. And I think the way that we see this lived out in our lives often is that we'll want to do things God's way no matter what we think the outcome will be. You know, our minds can go all kinds of places. When, we, when we're faced with a difficult decision, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Well, God's Word says I should do this, or God's Word is teaching me that I need to, I need to have this attitude or this, this kind of speech toward this person. The way I talk about this situation, here's how the Bible's teaching me to do it. But if I say it that way, it may not go well. If I do it God's way, it may not go well for me. We need to be committed to doing things God's way, no matter how it appears it's going to turn out. That's following God closely. And God is with you. You've seen it throughout this passage as David has expressed it. God is with you even in those, especially in those times when it looks risky to obey God. Get this, there is no risk in obeying God. The risk is in disobeying God. David was called a man after God's own heart. And what an incredible thing for God to call David a a man after his own heart. David knew what it meant to love God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind. We can learn from David here in Psalm 63. Uh, We can also take heart in this, that David was imperfect. You know that too, right? David was imperfect. He was a sinner. So be encouraged. You're not alone. Because we're still dealing with temptation and sin, aren't we? And yet, here's David, a man after God's own heart was learning what it meant to love God with his whole life. And if you're going to love God with every area of your life, then I want to challenge you and encourage you to learn to thirst and long for God. Learn to behold God and praise God. Learn to bless God and be satisfied in Him. Worship God with your whole life and be satisfied in Him. Learn to remember God. Think about Him. Think about His power. His goodness. Think about those things always. Take them with you every day. And then learn to recognize His care for you. And then learn to follow God closely. Can you say with David from verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. This would be a fitting prayer for you to start your day with. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. May God's word instruct us always. May God's word instruct and challenge us today to keep learning. We, we're going to have room to keep learning this side of eternity. To keep learning to love God with every area of our lives. And may it, may it be this week true for us that we do this so that our lives will bring him great glory and so that we will be completely satisfied in him. 
completely content with what the Lord gives us and willing to do without with what he withholds. May God's word instruct and challenge us with these wonderful truths from Psalm 63.